1: What a great good afternoon to you and yours. We asked where it was yesterday, where it's been. Well, it's popped its beautiful head up today. That orb up in the sky known as the sun. Oh, it's just gorgeous and lovely. I hope you've had a chance to get out and and enjoy it. Um, it is Wednesday, September 7th, the year 2022. One day away from the start of the NFL season, week two of the college football season is upon us, and we are jam-packed today. So let's get busy. My main man, James Mesh, back in the master control suite in the game studios, which are on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're also on 1041 fm in lake charles who's streaming around the world that's right around the world 1037 thegamecom 1041 thegamecom And if you happen to be in the acadiana area and you are near a television set pop it on because we're simulcast on stadium 32.3 and 133 on lus fiber
0: did you miss the headlines of the day not to worry the Blonde Bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's Headlines.
1: Well, Michael Thomas was at uh, film study and walked through yesterday just another indicator that the, uh, the terrific wide receiver should be up and ready to roll this Sunday as the Saints take on the Atlanta Falcons as a five-and-a-half-point favorite on the road in Atlanta, but make no mistake about it. It's not about the offense. It's about this defense led by linebacker DeMario Davis, who summed up what this D is all about.
2: We're just, a, we're just an energy, energy and effort type of defense. And, you know, um, we're going to play with a ton, a ton of energy, a swagger, whatever you want to call it. We're going to play with a ton of excitement, and we're going to put every effort towards studying our opponent, being prepared for our opponent, and, and bringing that physicality for, for four quarters. Until you know they don't had enough or don't or don't want to play no more, and that's that's just our mentality when we step out there. So yeah, we just we just put the work in, and so we got a, we got a week of work to put in, and when we get inside the lines, we'll let that speak for itself. I love DeMario
1: Davis. Today is uh, day one of the install of their game plan uh, for the Falcons. We will talk with uh, Taryn Wach, who covers the Saints for at Nola News. She's coming up here at about 2.15 this afternoon. Wilson Alexander will join us from The Advocate to talk about LSU. It's uh, Look, LSU is going to be favored by more than 40 points in this game. It's not about uh, how much you beat Southern by you're going to win the game. You're certainly going to try to improve and do the right things there. Um, But Brian Kelly summed up what this game for this community, a community of unity, is all about.
3: You know the city itself. You know a flagship
1: university like uh, LSU, and certainly a great institution and a traditional
3: HBCU university like Southern. Bringing them both together, I think, is a you know incredible thing for the city. This doesn't happen. I mean, how many how many teams get together from the same city? Maybe UCLA and USC. I can't think of many more that are in the same city that play each other. Uh, so it's a it's a big deal. It's it's pretty cool. I'm excited, and I know our players are too.
1: It will be the greatest tailgate party in the history of uh, LSU football. It will also be the greatest halftime show in the history of LSU football. Malik Neighbors, according to Brian Kelly in the SEC teleconference call today, will still be back to return punts. Also, uh, Sage Ryan from LCA is back there to uh, receive punts and to see exactly who can handle it the best. Um, Laura Hinton, Herb Tyler, Darry Beckwith, and Marcus Randall returned to Tiger Stadium as guest captains on Sunday. That's always a fun thing. Uh, Wilson Alexander will join us at around 2.30 for that. Michael Huguenin will join us in hour number two. We'll recap week one of the college football season, what stood out in his mind, and then we will talk about uh, week two and some of the, the big matchups in college football coming up this weekend. A new look LSU basketball team will be tested early and often when the SEC portion of the Tigers schedule begins in late December. The SEC announced the dates for the 18-game league schedule today with LSU's opener against Arkansas set for Wednesday, December 28th in the Pete Maravich Assembly Center. Times and TV assignments will be announced later. Matt McMahon, the first-year coach of the Tigers, will have a uh, challenging slate with six of the first eight league games coming against teams that earned NCAA tournament bids a year ago. Add Texas Tech to the mix in the Big 12 SEC Challenge, which comes after the eighth conference game. And LSU has a nine-game stretch in late December and January in which it will face seven teams that made the big dance last March. Wow. Um the good news as strong as the beginning of the schedule is that's how maybe not so strong the back end is Uh, LSU uh, only one of its final 10 opponents was selected for the NCAA tournament. So Matt McMahon, get ready. Uh, Their schedule begins November 9th against Missouri, Kansas City, Uh, Arkansas State, UNO, Illinois State at the Cayman Islands Classic, and then they'll take on either Akron or Western Kentucky. This is the one time They close out the month of November on the 27th against Wofford. I am a huge proponent of playing big time teams in college basketball, but not this year. I am giving Matt McMahon a pass. I don't care if you schedule whatever it is, whoever it is, a junior varsity team, you got to get this team clicking. They do play Wake Forest at the Holiday Hoopsgiving in Atlanta on the 10th, North Carolina Central, Winthrop, East Tennessee State, round out the non-conference schedule. And then again, they start off on December 28th, Arkansas at home. Then they go January 3rd at Kentucky, and the beat goes on. So welcome to the SEC. See, Matt McMahon, Um, a radio host admitted Doug Gottlieb admitted he made a false claim on Freddie Freeman's contract talks with the Atlanta Braves. Um, He claimed Casey Close, his agent, never informed first baseman Freddie Freeman of the Atlanta Braves last contract offer. That was absolutely false. Absolutely false totally false. Um, and Gottlieb has been sued for defamation by libel. We'll see how that case comes. You just, why, why would Doug Gottlieb do something like that? What, what I know he's trying to make a name for himself and get clicks and all that garbage that comes out, but holy cow, um, the Atlanta Braves have caught the New York Mets in the NL East and the Mets have now placed Ace Max Scherzer he's headed back to the injured list the latest hit to a reeling club that has seen its National League East lead evaporate um Scherzer 15 day IL retroactive to Saturday with left side irritation amid a series of roster moves before Today's doubleheader against the Pittsburgh Pirates. So stay tuned. The Atlanta Braves are on a roll and the Mets are reeling. NFL football begins tomorrow as the Buffalo Bills and the Los Angeles Rams meet in L.A. And uh, prior to that game, the Bills And tight end Dawson Knox reached an agreement on a four-year contract distinction. That's one of Josh Allen's favorite targets. Uh, Buffalo is in this thing to win it all, and they want all their players happy. So they're tying up the loose ends. The deal, 53.6 million and includes 31 million guaranteed. It makes Knox one of the highest paid tight ends in the league. You want, Josh Allen to have all the weapons that he possibly can uh and he does remember when LSU and, and Texas played and in Austin and how the um the Texas fans were not the best, and the ticket allotment was was the worst, right? They stuck LSU's band up in the upper, upper, upper deck, far away from the playing field. Well, Alabama is going to Texas this weekend and according to USA Today, um, Alabama, Received 500 complimentary tickets and can request up to 4,500 more tickets. The Alabama band is not going. Uh, The million dollar band will not make the trip this weekend for the Alabama Texas football game. Quote, due to the seating location and configuration of the visiting institution's ticket allotment at Darrell K. Royal Texas Memorial Stadium. I hope wherever Texas plays, wherever they play, whoever they play, that they're up in the nosebleeds and they get treated exactly like they treated the LSU contingent, which was absolute Bush League. I just, I hope Alabama, absolutely, this is just my own opinion, I hope Alabama runs up the score and destroys Texas and puts Texas's back, puts them back in their place where they belong. I can't stand them. Just... Oh, can't stand them. So glad LSU rallied and won that game back in 2019, the start of that uh, miraculous, miraculous season. And, And again, all you LSU fans, look, come on, just slow your roll, stop. I hope you've settled down and calmed down. I don't want anybody to get a heart attack or lose sleep over a college football season, how much faith do you put in 18 to 22-year-olds? How were you when you were 18 to 22 years old? I mean, come on. Do you actually think those players made mistakes on purpose? You think they muffed punts on purpose? You think they didn't block on purpose? No. Stuff happens. They'll get better. They'll get better. There's a reason Brian Kelly's there because the Tigers stunk beforehand and they made a coaching change. It's not going to happen overnight. It's just not. It's not. It's going to get worse before it gets better. Oh, they'll win this week. And we'll see what they're like when Mississippi State comes to town. We'll see. All right. Football season is here in the game. 1037 Lafayette. 1041 Lake Charles wants to crown you the tailgating king with the ultimate tailgate giveaway powered by St. Landry Lumber, Austin Outdoors, and the game. You can score $500 to chop specialty meats, a new grill with accessories, a cooler, a set of chairs, a $500 Visa gift card, tickets to LSU and Rage and football games, and so much more. Enter the game rewards club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's the ultimate tailgate giveaway powered by st landry lumber austin outdoors and the game saints talk when we return the Jordy Helper show on the game 1037 lafayette 1041 lake charles your home for the tigers and the houston astros in southwest louisiana uh, we are back. It's 17 minutes after the hour. Of the Jordy Hulpert Show, 103.7 Lafayette, 1041, Lake Charles, week one of the NFL, and, and the NFL is great at, at scheduling. How about a great rivalry matchup between the Saints and the Falcons in Atlanta? Saints fi- favored by five and a half. The Falcons are a new-look team, and we've got a new-look guest, and we are thrilled to have a new friend of the program, Taryn Wach, the Saints beat writer for At Nola News. She's been everywhere Chicago Tuscaloosa and now in the big easy Taryn thank you for your time and welcome to the show how are you I'm doing well
4: thank you for having me
1: my pleasure um did you like Chicago in the wintertime
4: no once I graduated high school and moved south for college I never moved back north I think I've just gone further and further south
1: did you ever have a run-in with my, my, my good friend Nick Saban
4: yes I went to college at Alabama covered the team three years as an intern, one year as a full-time employee at the Tuscaloosa News. So That's I've awesome. been on my fair share of those rams.
0: That's
1: awesome. All right. Um, well, welcome to New Orleans. I know you do a great job, by the way, and uh, um, you're well-respected by people that I respect. And so uh, you're top shelf as far as I'm concerned. What when, when Oh, let's talk about the matchup. and Michael Thomas. Apparently, uh, are you of the belief that he's going to play? All indicators seem to, to tell that he will give it a go on Sunday.
4: We are actually going to talk to Dennis Allen here shortly after I off his call, and we'll probably get an update then. So I hate to not have like a firm
2: answer for you right away, gotcha. but
4: he's been seen around, and all the talk has been promised. And like all through preseason and training camp. So I don't think it would all be hyped up if there wasn't going to be some type of play.
1: What's your evaluation of this club after you've watched them in uh, preseason games and, and, and camp? What, what's your evaluation of them? It's been
4: fun uh, this past month because tomorrow literally marks a month on the beat. <laughs> it hasn't been wow. that long, but it feels like really long. But <laughs> it's just really interesting to see, especially as someone who didn't, like, grow up following the team or cover the beat during the Sean Payton era. It's interesting uh-huh. to see how everyone's talking about, oh, it used to be such an offensive team. Like, it was an offensive mindset and all that. But now with Dennis Allen in charge, he comes from the defensive side and everyone's hyping up the defense. So it's just I'm seeing the only the flip side while others are able to compare it to the past. So I'm curious right. how that's going to play out and how Dennis is going to be able to put his own touch on the team. Because right now, it does seem like the defense has the most chatter. But I'm also, I just, a story today on Pete Carmichael ran that I got to tell. And he's not new to play calling. And I think the team really trusts him to keep getting the ship in the right direction and, like, not really have a fall off in between Sean Payton calling it and now Pete Carmichael calling the shots.
1: Sean Payton went as uh, I was on a podcast somewhere and he picked the Saints to win the uh, NFC South. So I like that. Um, what did you learn about Pete Carmichael? He has been he's a guy that's always been in the background. He never put the mm-hmm. he never had a focus of attention come his way. That was always Sean Payton. Whenever you thought offense, you thought Sean Payton. But Sean Payton always complimented Pete Carmichael. What did you learn about the man?
4: He's very nice and humble. I got to talk to him one-on-one a bit for the story, and then you can just tell he doesn't want the credit. He it was very quick to be like it is a team effort. Like there's the other assistant coaches like shouting out the tight ends coach, the running back coach, the defensive line coach, and every chance he gets. The best part is when you talk to those assistants, they're highlighting Pete. So it just goes back and forth, and honestly, it's almost refreshing, you know, because. It's professional sports, like everyone wants to take credit for their success, but Pete's back here like, nope, not me, I'm not a genius, even though everyone else is calling him that.
2: I've got
1: a funny feeling he is um, um, adept at film study, I have a funny feeling that he uh, is in a dark room watching tape and and coming (laughs) up with, with a plan, that's just the impression I get, is that factual?
4: That's the impression I got, too, and I, like, made that comparison with him. I was like, you remind me of, like, a student preparing for a test. You study a lot. The answers come so naturally, and you're able to just tick them off one by one. And I feel like that's how he is with his play calling. He studies the playbook so much that, like, if he sees it, he knows the response right away. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was the analogy I used in my story, too. So I'm glad we were on the same page there, and I (laughs) Uh, wasn't pulling that out of nowhere. (laughs)
1: I've been too busy. I didn't read your story, but I look forward to reading it. Uh, Taryn walk with us. Nolan News covering the New Orleans Saints. It's um, yeah, everybody's talking about the defense and rightly so, but I'm kind of very curious. Um, Sean Payton had this reputation of being um, very, very aggressive. Um, go for the jugular, whatever cliches you want to use, the onside mm-hmm. kick in the Super Bowl. I think everybody's questioning. Here's this he's kind of like more meek. He's a quiet, like, scientist in Pete Carmichael. I'm kind of wondering are we going to see an aggressive nature out of him?
4: You know, I'm not sure. I feel like it would be like a sneaky snake. Like, as you said, he's quiet. Or, Mm -hmm. that maybe it's not going to be these huge, flashy moments, but it's like, at the end of the game, you're like, wait a minute, they just put up God knows how many uh, offensive yards. Yeah. So, I mean, his first game as a play caller after Sean Payton uh, injured his leg they scored the most points in one game right. that entire season 2011 yeah. all my dates are all mixed up now but um he's shown he can do it and I think that's important to remember for those being like oh gosh Sean Payton is gone what's going to happen to the offense Pete Carmichael has stepped up before in the past and there wasn't mm-hmm. really a fall off
1: I think you hit the nail on the head. The players respect him. And so if that's there, then they're going to fall right in line. And and one thing that Pete's got at his disposal, uh, he doesn't have Drew Brees, but he doesn't, you know, Drew Brees didn't have the weapons surrounding him that Jameis Winston has to start off this season, in my opinion.
4: No, I agree. The wide receiver group is stacked. Um, Whether... The main thing will be whether Jameis can stay healthy all season, because then right. he can fully develop into his role as a leader and the leader of the offense and capitalize on those opportunities. Uh,
1: I, we, we talked about all the free agent acquisitions and Taran Matthew and Marcus May and some others. I, I think the most valuable ass, uh, asset they picked up was Andy Dalton. Um, because if Jameis goes down with the weapons that you have and the defense that you have, I think Andy Dalton um, will not lose games for the Saints, if you know what I mean.
4: Yeah, I agree with you. And it's a veteran quarterback where, no offense to Ian Book whatsoever, but Andy has so much more to his resume that backs up that he can step in and, like you said, not lose the game. Not yeah. that Ian Booker wasn't talented. He played the majority of the preseason. So it's still an NFL quarterback, but Andy is what they needed and wanted, especially after Jameis Winston got hurt last year. And they're like, we're not making that mistake again. We need to bring someone in.
1: Yeah. Uh, this is a stacked lineup um, from from every aspect. It's a great kicking team. Um so many of the pundits are are picking the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to not only win the the South, but to maybe advance to the Super Bowl. Uh, w- w- what do you think the Saints look like this year?
4: Oh boy, I have them. Of course, I can't remember what I put in print. Either they definitely, I think, will have a winning record. I can't
1: remember okay. if I had them
4: with eleven or ten wins. Okay, but it just seems like they're not rocking the boat. Um, yeah, Sean Payton is gone, but they're not over here recreating the wheel. They're like, the the format is in place. Dennis is going to put his like personal touches on it, but there's no mm-hmm. reason to come in and just be like, all right, we're changing everything. When he's been a part of the program, it's not a new person coming in and restarting it, if that makes right. sense.
1: Yeah, yeah. What there's a lot nine of continuity
4: apart from who the head coach is, because Pete Carmichael's been around for so long, Dennis Allen's right. been around, words, been around for so long that it's not there's no reason to just overhaul everything
1: i'm with you heck they won nine games last year they started four different quarterbacks i think they're a much better team offensively than they were a year ago obviously so much depends on health at the quarterback position i think they're going to be better defensively man i I'm looking forward to it. Look, I know you got to run. I know you got to go listen to Dennis Allen talk. I greatly appreciate your time. Uh, If you don't mind, let's do it again down the road. Yeah, I'd
4: love to come on. This is always fun.
1: Okay, Taryn. Thank you so much. I greatly appreciate it. Taryn Walk uh, at Nolan News covering the New Orleans Saints. Uh, the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com can help you with your date night blues. That's because once you become a member of our Rewards Club, you'll have the opportunity to win excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Takehouse at Cypress Bayou or a $50 gift certificate to the Half Shell Oyster House or a $20 $5 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. But you can only score these great prizes by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. So go sign up today. What did Brian Kelly say today on the SEC teleconference call? Well, Wilson Alexander of the Advocate will join us and tell us exactly that after this timeout. On the Geordie Helpert Show, on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the LSU Tigers in Southwest Louisiana.
0: You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Slings it far side, Stingley steps inside, the receiver and picks it off. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. A shot to left field, going back on it's Gordon. He'll look up, that's a goner. Your home. For the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.
1: We're back 33 minutes after the hour. The Jordy Helford Show brought to you by our great friends at Cajun Chef. Bring a little bottle of Cajun Chef hot sauce with you wherever you go. Everything tastes better with Cajun Chef hot sauce on it. Wednesday during college football season, SEC has their teleconference call. Each coach gets about 10 minutes. Uh, Media members around the conference can call in, ask a question. Uh, Wilson Alexander covers that and everything with LSU football for uh, the the advocate, and he's kind enough to join us now. Wilson, good afternoon, buddy. How are you?
5: I'm doing well, Jordy. How are you today?
1: I'm good. Do you think Brian Kelly realized, I wonder, I wonder if he felt the same type of vitriol um, if, when he lost a game at Notre Dame, like what happened in his first game as the LSU head coach. I mean, people are going, uh, as, as usual, fanatics, fans, um, they're going crazy.
5: I, I would imagine that he did um, because Notre Dame has a pretty uh, you know rabid fan base as well yeah. Uh, yeah. that you know they they're also you know there's so much of this discussion um, of you know around L, around Brian Kelly's move to LSU and a right. lot of the sort of anger has come from the Notre Dame fans who were upset with not yeah. necessarily. Uh, that he left but how and when he left and so Mm -hmm. uh yeah i would i would think that he fielded some of the exact same kind of responses whenever they lost a game at Notre Dame all
1: right well so let's talk a little bit about today um punt return Malik neighbors quote we haven't fired him from this job yet so i guess he's still back there they haven't given up on him um your thoughts
0: Well, I
5: think this is a a smart thing by this coaching staff because you're dealing with a player who has so much promise. I mean, the league neighbors, you could see it throughout the preseason that, like, if he can put everything together, like, this could be your next great wide receiver at LSU. Uh And there's been a run on him here lately, and he could be the next one. Um, He's got so many tools, but he's a young guy. I mean, he's a sophomore who's, um, you know, even was, you know, flash at times as a freshman, but it kind of took him a while to get going. This is kind of his first full season and you need to, to coach him up in the right way. I'm and, you. Yeah. Um, you know, just sort of saying, okay, you made a mistake. We're done with you. It probably isn't the way to do that. And so, you know, you kind of saw it actually, even in game, you know, he was distraught on the sideline and a lot of guys were trying to come up to him. Well, who do they go to right after that muff punt When they get the ball back and a minute, left Malik neighbors, two yeah. catches right in a row, get him going again. And, you know, is he going to be your punt returner? Brian Kelly, when he first started talking about this, uh, indicated that they were going to look elsewhere, um, and that this was an evaluation issue that they had made and that they would probably put somebody else back there. But you know, then today, like he said, you know, he's going to continue to work at punt returner. Uh, Sage Ryan is another name to, to know at punt returner right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, They've even got Javen Nicholas back there, who's a walk-on who's got some speed. Um, but they're not giving up on Malik neighbors, and, and they shouldn't because there's a lot to like there.
1: I agree 100%. Wilson Alexander, The Advocate. Um, the offensive line, quote, everything is up for evaluation and we're trying to put the best combinations out there. There are still competitive battles. You do film study. What did you see from the offensive line against Florida State?
5: I saw a lot of uh, leaky leaky blocking. Um,
2: mm-hmm.
5: You know, it was maybe not White, It was kind of coming in specific spots, too. Uh, Cam Wire did not seem to have a great game at right tackle in this. Um, You know, Florida State, you know, Will Campbell kind of held his own at times. But, again, that's a true freshman playing his first game. And, you know, he got beat a few times. He also held his own a few times. Um, You know, there was also some pressure sometimes right kind of through the middle and and even off the edges, like with Mason Taylor um, as a tight end. Again, another true freshman playing his first game, and, and he got beat. And there are times when they were trying to use a tight end and, and blocking, you know, bring him into block too. And so it just was not a, overall a great performance by the offensive line. It maybe wasn't as um, bad as it looked on tape, but you know, Jaden has got sacked four times, and um, you know, LSU really struggled to make any push at all up front. And this is a group now that um, you wonder, okay, how much of this can you fix during a season? Um, because the personnel, yeah, it's up for evaluation. Maybe it changes, but um, there's not like a ton of, you know, a wealth of options. Um, right. You know, this is kind of a group coming out of fall camp they thought was the best. And so they're having to go further down that list and maybe someone steps up. But um, at the same time, they've also all got to learn how to play together. So uh, it's kind of a worrisome spot right there. Um, I'll be curious to see, just one last point, what Mike Denbrock does schematically to maybe address that and account yeah. uh, for it.
1: Everybody's talking about Jaden Daniels uh, taking off too early. Heck, I would have taken off early, too, with the we- the rush that was coming in. And, <laughs> heck, he's running for his life. I thought Jaden Daniels was terrific. What about you? He had a good game. Yeah, it, it took him a while to get going. And,
5: you know, you you look back at that tape in particular, and, and you know, there were some plays where he lowered his gaze too early um, and then started kind of scrambling around. Um, when he maybe should have stayed in the pocket for just a split second longer. There was a few times where he was late to recognize an open receiver um, uh-huh. and needed to get the ball out quicker. Um, but he was not the reason else He lost this game by any stretch mm-hmm. of the imagination. Um, he, those last three drives, he looked great. Um, yeah. You know, doing everything that he needs to do. He looked at like the best version of himself um, because he was uh, taking off when he noticed that there was man coverage and a lot of open ground and using mm-hmm. his legs in those situations, which is something that may make him so lethal. Um, he was distributing the ball well in the quick passing game once LSU started using that at the end of the third quarter. Um, and he just fought. You know, he just battled. Um, you saw him in the Superdome at the end. He had a scrape on his chin and another one on his neck. Um, but he wasn't making any excuses for anything. Yeah. He wasn't pointing fingers at anything. He was really holding himself and everybody else accountable. And that's what you want out of your
1: quarterback. Do you think it's feasible to do an up-tempo offense all game long? not the
5: entire game um we've certainly seen college football kind of get away from that a little bit Uh um because if you you know if you go three if you're going up tempo and you go three and out then you're putting your defense right back on the field
1: right um
5: but it's probably something that they need to mix in a little bit earlier especially because this was a team not just team-wide but offensively too or excuse me not just offense but team-wide that's uh, struggled. To, they didn't start fast, and so I'll be wondering if Mike Denbrock maybe uses tempo early to kind of get that spark ignited earlier than the third quarter moving forward.
1: I'm with you, uh, Wilson Alexander of the Advocate. The other big problem we talk, we touched on special teams a little bit. We talked on the offensive line and the their ability to uh, protect the quarterback. The running game was non-existent, other than Daniels himself, and that's another problem. But the other big issue, but man, they just couldn't get off the field on third down. So many missed and broken tackles. Um, when you looked at the tape and you saw the third down, so many times. I, I don't know if they were in man or in zone, but Man, just the, the wide receivers from Florida State would just go to the down marker and turn and boom, there's the ball and first down. So what did you see on third down?
5: Well, I saw a lot of that. It was kind of surprising looking at the game in real time. And then again, uh, later on that, yeah, there's a third and eight, third and nine. And I remember one play in particular, I think it was about third and nine and Jordan Travis, yeah, exactly. A guy just turned around at the yard marker, and it looked like LSU was in zone with the safeties. And I was, they were five yards off of him. Um, yeah. And they just, you know, easy pitch and catch first down, keep the drive moving. And that's something that I'm sure Matt House was correcting in defensive film study on Monday, because that kind of thing can not happen. I mean, you want to keep everything in front of you, but um, to give it up that easily is not you, you can't do that. And so um, it was interesting. You know, we saw a lot of – he saw, he tried a lot of different things, man, zone, different kind of fronts, different combinations of players. That's going to be his defense. He wants to be multiple. Um, but for, you know, third down, they just struggled. Part of it, a large part of it, was not being able to wrap up Jordan Travis. Um, mm-hmm. But LSU is going to face some other mobile quarterbacks. I and mean, look ahead at Florida, Anthony Richardson. <laughs> yeah. You're going to have yeah. to be able to get it? him to the ground uh, yep. in October. Um and LSU did not uh, respond well to that in the first test against a dual threat kind of guy.
1: Well, so, you know, it comes down at coaches can only do so much players have to do some things. And, you know, you got to have some instinct and reaction. Sometimes you overthink things, but if the guys, if it's third and five and you're playing 15 yards off, that just doesn't make sense. Uh, you got to adapt and adjust on the fly, and maybe, hopefully that will happen and change, or else, man, it's going to be something. Um, This Saturday, uh, you know, LSU's going to, going to win, pick the score, whatever you want it to be. But in your talks and in what you've listened to with the players and others, what does this weekend's game mean for all those involved?
5: It's much bigger than the game uh, yeah. itself. The football game is actually is not really the main attraction here or even the thing that is most significant. Right. It's the fact that it's just happening uh, is means a lot to – a great number of people here, you know, I had a conversation, uh, for sure. I'm working on, uh, just about the significance of this game and how it came together. And, uh, you know, Virg Osbury LSU is, uh, who's responsible from LSU for making this game happen on their side. And he mm-hmm. grew up, uh, you know, in Louisiana and, you know, he had, his family was grambling and Southern, uh, folks. And he remembers driving across the Mississippi river bridge when he was younger. And, um, and saying like, oh, what's that? Looking at Tiger Stadium. And his family was like, we don't go there. It, it wasn't that just because of, that's the way it was um, at, when he was younger. And, you know, mm-hmm. this is a chance to bring a lot of people together. A lot of people who had never been in Tiger Stadium. Still a lot of people right. who have in this city who have never been in Tiger Stadium are doing that, going to be doing that for the first time. And it's um, a chance to try to promote that kind of unity, inclusivity, just a sense of a hard, you know, sort of fostering a sense of community um, that, you know, certainly that's what they're trying to do uh, with yeah. a game like this and what they're trying to, you know, uh, hard, you know kind of create um, and, and hope that it lasts more than just the football game, which, like you said, is not going to be the most compelling thing that we All see right. on Saturday.
1: I, I think it's terrific. I, I have no idea what uh, Southern's going to get paid. I hope it's a hefty amount. They don't have any travel expenses. so uh, Do you know what it is?
5: I can tell you, 760,000 dollars is their guarantee. They also God, get uh, 80, uh, me, not 80, 800 comp tickets.
1: That's awesome. Good for them. I mean, you, you realize what that does for their athletic department. My goodness gracious. Um, that's terrific. I was hoping it was going to be a million, but hey, uh, anything's better than nothing, and that's terrific. So uh, it, it's going to be, I've said it all along, it's going to be the greatest tailgating scene in the history of LSU because those Southern Jag fans, they, they like to cook it up too. And without question, without doubt, it's going to be the greatest halftime show in the history of Tiger Stadium.
5: It's got to be. I mean, I can't wait to see what they're doing. They're trying to keep a lot of that secret, but I mean, I think that there is maybe an area where they're playing together at some time. I don't know. That's what the halftime is going to look like or or what, but I mean, you know, they're trying to kind of have a grand reveal at the half of what, but that's going to be an awesome halftime show, whatever it ends up looking like. And yeah, the game day atmosphere. Hopefully the weather cooperates and gives us some sunlight and um, you know, not too hot and, Uh, Everybody can get out and just enjoy it because it should be, especially the night game in Tiger Stadium, it should be just a fun day. Uh, around campus with everybody descending around the area around tiger stadium
1: i don't know if he's going to listen to me but i i sent a text to scott woodward i said scott you ought to treat this game like it's a bowl game or a super bowl halftime extend it spread it out nobody's going to care about the game everybody wants let the bands play and let them play long and have a long good time um and uh because it's this, this not going to happen again in our lifetime, I don't think. Never say never, but I just don't see it happening. Now with the college football playoff and an expansion coming up, and all, I, I just don't see these games happening anymore. So let the bands play on. You know what I mean?
5: Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, we don't know if they're going to – I think LSU will continue to – it's not like they're going to only play SEC and Power 5 teams. Um, so LSU will probably continue to – schedule in-state opponents because that's been something that they felt pretty passionate about ever since Skip Burtman was the athletic director. And they started doing that. Um, but it's not like this is going to happen. But They want to play all of them. And so it might take a while for them to get back around to scheduling Southern. I mean, I don't know. We'll see. And, um, you know, so, yeah, exactly. Take advantage of it while it's there. I actually, you know, you mentioned the, the bands. I already made a suggestion on our headline to our editors that it should be whatever this, like, you know, LSU, whatever, Southern, whatever, in terms of the score. Fans
1: win that's right that's exactly right well said uh wilson alexander of the advocate covering the tiger is going to be quite the weekend thank you for your time as always buddy i really greatly appreciate it enjoy the weekend
5: thank you for having me jordy y'all have a good one
1: All right, buddy, you take care. Uh, That is Wilson Alexandra. Uh, Delta Media is your home for thrilling high school football. This Thursday night, the Southside Sharks take on Cecilia on Mustang 107.1, while the Port Barre Red Devils take on the Beauchamp Gators on News Talk 98.5 FM. Pre-game begins at 6.45 for both games. Kickoff set for 7. Make sure to download each station's free mobile apps to listen to either game. Delta Media is your home for Friday Night Football. We will come back, tell you about the passing of a guy that um, will live in infamy for a game that he coached against LSU. We'll tell you that story when we return to the Jordy Helpert Show on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the Tigers and the Astros in southwest Louisiana.
0: Download the free The Game mobile app for Android and Apple devices. No matter where you are in the country, you can listen to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: All right, we are back at 52 minutes after the hour. Back on November the 9th, 2002 at Commonwealth Stadium in Lexington, it was the Bluegrass Miracle, the 74-yard game-winning touchdown pass for LSU to beat the Kentucky Wildcats with no time left on the clock. The coach for Kentucky at that time was Guy Morris. Guy Morris passed away uh, this week at the age of 71 in 2016 he was diagnosed with alzheimer's disease i can remember so vividly kentucky was going to be the biggest win in the history of their football program football program and they had doused morris with the old gatorade bucket um, little did they know that uh marcus randall Uh, We'd throw it up there. The ball would get tipped, and Debrey Henderson would score. I'll never, ever forget it. Rest in peace, Guy Morris, who will forever live in infamy uh, for his players, dousing him prior to the end of the game. That just doesn't happen anymore. Um, And uh, just one of the greatest plays in LSU football history. So uh, Guy Morris passed away at the age of 71. Um. Yeah. Back in 2000, I'll never forget Nick Saban after the game. I had to interview him, and I was so excited. I was like, "Can you believe what just happened? Can you even believe it?" And he was mad. We should never have been in that position. We should have. We just didn't play football for a full 60 minutes. La 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 I'm like, "Golly, he just can't. He can't relax. He can't enjoy. He just can't. He can't." Um. Never forget it. Never forget it. Coming up, hour number two, Mike Huguenin will join us um, and we'll talk all things uh, college footballs plus a very special birthday wish to one of the all-time LSU and NFL greats who's uh, who has a birthday today. Uh, we've got NFL football coming up, Uh, and what a great start. I've said it all week long. I said it last week. Uh, It just doesn't get better than the Bills at the Rams. Uh, The Rams are the home team. They're coming off the Super Bowl. Um, Wow. The Bills, uh, explosive on offense last year. They were explosive in their final game. Um, But they also remember they picked up Von Miller. Von Miller and that makes a difference in their defensive strategy how how solid how healthy is matthew stafford uh we've heard of stafford's elbow causing some issues you know they uh they thought maybe he was going to not be able to play for a while and whatever so they had to really be careful with him so Von Miller will have his target set on Matthew Stafford uh, and the Rams. So I, I really like the Bills, even though they're on the road. I like the Bills in this one, and it should be a uh, should be a very very interesting matchup. What a great way to start the college football, I mean, the NFL football season. Uh, Major League Baseball's coming down the stretch, and time is running out for you to score tickets to see the Houston Astros live in person. Go register in the Game Rewards Club to win four tickets to see Houston take on Tampa by the Bay Saturday, October the 1st. We'll even throw in a tour of the ballpark and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. And listen, this is the very last Astros Weekend giveaway of the regular season. So sign up now. Astros Weekend getaways are powered by Butcher AC, Le Meridian Houston Downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. And uh the Astros once again um doing what they have to do, taking care of their business. It's become quite the race in the AL. In the AL East, the Tampa Bay Rays are now four and a half games back of the Yankees. The Guardians lead the Twins by a game and a half in the Central. The Astros, even though they lost, they are up 10 over the Mariners. The Mariners won eight of their last 10. Oh, the Mets and the Braves, uh, 51 losses apiece. So they're deadlocked. My Cardinals are eight and a half games over the Brewers in the NL Central. And the Dodgers are running away with the NL West. So there's your MLB update. We'll talk all things college football, more on the LSU Tigers. Don't forget, Thursday, we go behind enemy lines. We'll tell you all about Eastern Michigan. We'll tell you about the Rice Owls. We'll tell you about the Southern Jags. Um, Mr. College Football, Tony Barnhart will join us. Frank Schwab from Yahoo Sports will make his NFL picks. That's tomorrow, hour number two. It's our number two of two, and away we go. Um We'll talk college football with Mike Huguenin, more on the Saints and the Falcons. Um, My main man, James Mesh, back in the master control suite in the game studios. He's spinning the tunes, uh, pushing all the buttons from his producer's chair. He's on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're also on in Lake Charles on 1041 FM. We're streaming around the world, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And if you're in the Acadiana area, And you're a television set, you can always pop that on because we're simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. If you missed our number one, Taryn Wach of NOLA... NOLA News covering the New Orleans Saints. Her thoughts on this matchup and specifically um, I think it gets washed away uh, the fact that Pete Carmichael is is in full-fledged control of the Saints' offense. What will it look like? Will it be different? Will he be as bravado as Sean Payton was in his years as the the head coach slash offensive coordinator? Uh, and then Wilson Alexander uh, joined us from the Abbott to talk about LSU. Uh, Malik Neighbors will be back returning punts. Uh, Sage Ryan is back there as well. There's competition galore on the offensive line as they're looking for the right combination to be able to open up some holes for the running game and protect the quarterback in the passing game. That was one of the we all thought we bought into the Kool-Aid. We all thought listening to Brian Keller, they'd made tremendous strides and maybe they had in practice. There are practice players and there are gamers there are gamers. It's like old Wilt Chamberlain back in the day. They're out there at a shoot around and the coach goes, uh, hey, Wilt, what are you doing? Wilt was sitting on the scores table drinking a Sprite and smoking a cigarette. And the coach comes up, well, what are you doing? Everybody's out here practicing. What are you doing? And Wilt said, look, coach, you got me once a day. You want me for shoot around or you want me for the game? You pick if you want me for shoot-around, we're not showing up for the game. Uh, Coach said, you can sit right where you are. Just show up for the game. And, the, and during the game, he scored like 55 points and got 45 rebounds. So uh, some are gamers. Some are practice players. Um, we're going to find out with um, with LSU not so much this week because they'll control everything against Southern. And, it's, and as Wilson and I talked about, this is not about a football game. This is an awful lot about a community Of unity. Uh, LSU safety Joe Fuchsia didn't dress for the Tigers' season opening loss to Florida State on Sunday. Now it's clear why. Kelly said today during the SEC coach's teleconference call that Fuchsia's absence is because of transfer credits from his previous school of Arkansas. Fuchsia is appealing a four game academic suspension related to the transfer. Remember, he started, he's a New Orleans native. Started 33 games for the Razorbacks and uh, was expected to be a huge contributor and still can't be. Uh, According to Kelly, it's really unfortunate. Joe's done everything we've asked him to do. We hope to get him back as soon as we can. Ken, So Joe Fusha, a very important aspect uh, of this. Um, After months of waiting and anticipation, we're just about there. Saints football returns Sunday. They open on the road against their NFC South rival, the Atlanta Falcons. Atlanta, believe it or not, holds the all-time lead in the regular season series, but it's a close one. 53-52. 53-52. to 52. They also have a playoff win over the Saints back in the 1991 season. The Saints have won four of the past five matchups. The team last opened their season against the Falcons in 2014, also on the road in Atlanta, and the Saints lost in overtime 37-34. to 34. The most important things to watch for, uh, in my opinion, The health factor, Michael Thomas with his hamstring, Paulson Adebo with his ankle, two of the most important players to keep tabs on this week. Everything that is being reported by those that go to practices and have the inside information um, seems promising, Uh, but they'll get there. Injury report later on today to see where the team is at from a health perspective. Uh so that's that's one thing. Jameis Winston didn't play in either of the games against the Falcons last year. So how's he going to fare? Um, being quarterback number one, no ifs, ands, buts, maybes, questions about it. He has a lot to prove this season. And again, Uh, seems like there are plenty of reasons to be optimistic about him delivering this year. And, of course, um, the defense has to set the tone early and often. It's definitely the strong suit of this team going into the season. Um, They'll have their top look going into week one. Everybody that's anybody is healthy, and that includes Marcus May. There's obviously been some concern since his arrest the other week, uh, but the legal process typically has to play out, and then we'll see if the NFL discipline comes in. So everybody's healthy, everybody's ready, and we shall go from there. Uh, always anxious to see how the new faces turn out in real, live competition, not preseason games, but now regular season. So Jarvis Landry. Tyrann Matthew, Chris Olavi, some of the players that will be suiting up that are new for the Saints this season. Uh, hopefully they'll be all key contributors. Landry has a lot to prove. Remember, he's on a one-year deal. Um, and can Matthew be that game-changer in the secondary that he's always been ever since he was at St. Aug High School all the way through LSU and into the NFL? And can Chris Olave be that big time take the top off the defense weapon that is the reason why the Saints drafted him? We shall see. Lots of questions, lots of things will be answered this week. So um, it is here. And, you know, the NFL took the back seat, let college football have their way uh, last weekend. But now the big boys are are coming to town and uh, can't wait, cannot wait. Um, the team president of the New York Yankees um, says, Randy Levine says that uh, Aaron Judge is an all-time Yankee and emphasize that the franchise will be extraordinarily competitive in its approach to keeping him in pinstripes. He's pursuing home run history, and the Yankees continue to prepare for their offseason contract negotiations. There's a guy that said, nope, all right, you don't want to sign me. I'm just going to have a season, and then we'll talk about that. Judge declined the Yankees' seven-year, two hundred and thirteen and a half million dollar extension offer earlier this year. So guess what? It's only going upward and upward and upward. The four-time All-Star entered today's doubleheader with the Minnesota Twins with a major league leading 54 home runs in just 131 games. He also leads the majors with 117 RBIs. He's on pace to hit 65 homers, four more than the Yankees star Roger Maris's American League record that was set back in 1961. Aaron judge. I don't think there's any question or doubt. I know, uh, Otani with the angels has had quite the season, but he's not having the season that Aaron judge is having. Uh, Aaron judge is going to be the MVP. Aaron judge is going to, uh, big, bring in the money that he deserves. He's talking, now you're talking about a home run chase with Babe Ruth and Roger Maris. Huh? <laughs> How about that? How about that? So Aaron judge, uh, this is on a roll. Without question, without doubt. Um, LSU basketball, their schedule has been announced. They open up SEC play on December 28th. Arkansas, Eric Musselman's Hogs NCAA tournament team year in, year out come to the PMAC on the 28th. Then the next game is at Kentucky, January 3rd at Texas A&M, Florida at Alabama. They play a lot of teams that went to the NCAA tournament a year ago. Sprinkle in with that on Um, January 28th, the Big 12 SEC Challenge against another NCAA tournament team in Texas Tech. And um, Matt McMahon has his hands full in his first season as the coach of the LSU Tigers. And I've said it before. I said it now we're number one. I'll say it again. I hate this kind of a schedule, Missouri-Kansas City, Arkansas State, UNO, Illinois State, Akron, Western Kentucky, Wofford, Texas-Arlington, North Carolina Central, Winthrop, East Tennessee State. That's your non-conference schedule. I hate it. I hate those teams. Nobody cares. But with this team, with so many new faces, new coaches, they got to get every win they can and build every bit of confidence that they can leading up to that December 28th against Arkansas. So, Matt, give you a pass. Next year, not going to give you one. we got to get better teams in this building. If you want to promote college basketball at this football school, and it can be done, it's been proven in the past, you got to schedule big-time games. Your players are going to love it more. That's how you get better recruits in. They want to play against the best. To be seen against the best on national television, they don't want to play North Carolina Central. They don't want to play East Tennessee State. I'm sorry. They don't. They want to play North Carolina. They want to play Indiana. They want to play Texas Tech. They want to play UCLA. That's what they want to play. They want to play um, UMass. Teams like that. Notre Dame. Well. Let's make it happen. All right, uh, 13 minutes after the hour, we're brought to you by Cajun Chef, the best hot sauce on the planet, the yard family, right there in St. Martinville for a long, long time, handed down from, uh, from family member to family member. It's a tradition unlike any other. And they've only used the finest peppers, the finest spices, and they put out the finest hot sauce among the many things that they provide for you And your family, Um, you can find it at your favorite restaurant. You could find it at your favorite grocery store. But if you can't and if you're traveling somewhere, well, by golly, do like I do. Bring a little small bottle with you wherever you go, because everything tastes better with Cajun chef hot sauce on it. We'll take a timeout. We're we're in for a treat. Michael Huguenin, two segments. Segment one, we'll recap week one of the college football season. How impressed was he with the Florida Gators and Anthony Richardson? Who's better, Bama or Georgia? And how far back is Ohio State? We'll talk about that. Then we'll preview the big, big games coming up this week. Alabama, Texas, Kentucky at Florida, just to name a couple. Hump Day with Huguenin when we return to the Jordy Helpert Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. You're home for the fighting Tigers of LSU in southwest Louisiana.
0: Uh-oh. Do you know what day it is? Huh? Anybody? It's time for Jordy to break down the biggest storylines in college athletics with Mike Huguenin of On3.com. Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? Here is Hump Day with Huguenin. Woohoo! On the game, 1037 Lafayette and one oh four one Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
1: Michael, good afternoon, buddy. How, how, how you doing after one week of college football? How good was that?
3: Yeah, from Thursday, even through mon- three quarters of Monday night's game, it was a, a phenomenal weekend, no question. <laughs> a lot of a lot of entertaining at... games, yeah. uh, a lot of uh, close finishes, um, just a fantastic return for... Um, for a full
1: slate, yeah, I got to ask your thoughts on on LSU Florida State. From watching, it was the only game in town. But <laughs> you tell me what you saw and what you think.
3: I, I was surprised that LSU lost. I thought they were a better team. I, I think their lack of depth is an issue. Uh, I think Mason Smith getting hurt was an issue. I also uh-huh. think though that LSU's defensive front, which has been um, touted all off season. Um, did not play nearly as well as I thought they would against FSU's offensive line. Um, LSU's offensive line was, to me, a gigantic question going into the season. And, man, they looked horrendous in the first half. Yeah. Jaden Daniels running for his life. I know a lot of people didn't think Daniels played well. I thought he played extremely well, considering yes. he was under fire the whole game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they could not block J- uh, Jared Verse. Uh, FSU's defensive tackles controlled the middle um I think when Daniels had time to throw, he was accurate like he relatively accurate um accurate as he can be. um I think the play calling did not help him some um and yeah the the special teams were abysmal Ooh. Ooh. Um, the, the punt fumbles, the kicks being blocked uh I, I thought lSU's defense rose up at at various times keeping FSU out of the end zone. If FSU had basically been a better team, I think that game would have been over uh, with about 10 minutes to go. But LSU scrapped and and hung around and played tough. Um, Going forward, I think the offensive line is going to be a season-long concern. Now that Mason Smith's out for the season, we're going to see how good Makai Wingo is and how much depth LSU has up front. But, um, yeah, I was surprised. Um, a little bit by the fact that LSU's second teamers are, are not that good.
1: Makes sense. Um, and still, as badly as they played, they, they lose by one. Yeah, I mean, yeah. just
2: crazy.
3: They did. Just you got to cra- give them right. credit for, for scrapping. And again, yeah. I thought Jaden Daniels, considering he was under fire,
2: I thought he was terrific. The whole game, um,
3: yeah. Running for his life at times. And he, he made yeah. a lot of plays with his legs. Um, And Going forward, my assumption is they're going to tweak the offense now that they realize our offensive line is worse than people outside this building thought, and I don't think anybody outside the building thought it was that good anyway, but they were abused by the FSU defensive line for most of the game, I thought.
1: And it's only going to get tougher once because FSU is. Where would you consider FSU if they were in the SEC? Where would they be in the SEC rankings?
3: I think the tenth or eleventh best team. Yeah, um, they they do have some good players. Jamie Robinson, the safety, is is high level. Jared Verse, I think, showed that he is a legitimate. FBS defensive end, edge rusher, a guy who played at Albany last year, got a lot of hype, and I think people were like, well, let's see. He, he's good. Uh, Jordan Travis makes plays with his legs a lot. Um, they got, I think, um, FSU's receivers aren't anything great. Uh, I mm-hmm. think one issue for LSU, you're playing your first game with, you know, if, if you go 10 deep at DB, seven of them are new. And I think right. that was an issue at times, and surely they will gel as the season progresses. But losing Mason Smith um, cancels Herb. that out, yeah. so it's going to be interesting to see how the defense holds up.
1: I guess Brian Kelly, uh, you know, if you lose a game that you're supposed to win at Notre Dame, I'm sure with that uh, that um, underground Notre Dame faction that he hears about it. I'm telling you, they are killing him in this part of the world after one game nationally, that's, killing
3: well, him. I, yeah, the, the uh, You know, the what have you done for me lately, the, the recency yeah. uh, bias. Um, uh, you know, that's – I think people – there's a reason he's a new coach there. Yes. The old coach let yes. the program go to seed. And, and I know people – Orzron won a national title. Um, the 2020 season was bad. The 2021 season was bad. How, again, it's like, you know, we, I talked last week about Florida's defensive line had one legitimate defensive tackle. In a line of scrimmage league, that's an embarrassment. How did LSU's offensive line recruiting get to the point that a true freshman starts at left tackle, an FIU transfer started at guard, and a yeah. FCS transfer started at guard? That, you know, if that's Vanderbilt, that's one thing. This is LSU. Right. And the, great the offensive line recruiting was was a joke the last couple of years because that's yeah. why that offensive line looked so bad against Florida State that they had guys who weren't SEC caliber. Will Campbell's going to be great. You should not be an 18-year-old true freshman starting at left tackle in a season opener.
1: Uh, I'm with you. Mike Hugan, and On3.com with us. Uh, you saw the the top tier of college football Alabama shuts out Utah State, 55-0. Georgia puts a wallop on Oregon. Ohio State settled down and beat Notre Dame in a good game. Um, Any change to who you think is the best team in college football after one early showing?
3: No, I think Ohio State, I was surprised that their offense didn't do that much. Now, Notre Dame is a well-coached defense. Marcus Freeman knows what he's doing. Al Golden, the defensive coordinator, has been around a long time. Um, Brandon Joseph, the transfer from Northwestern, is a really good safety. And I think Jackson Smith and the Jigba getting hurt really put a gigantic crimp in the passing attack. And that is a little bit worrisome. Because when he's on the field, you, you got to have two guys worrying about him. I still thought they had enough depth at receiver to still be extremely potent. That didn't look to be the case uh on saturday night though defensively i mean what a 180 degree change man i mean that was mind-blowing how well they looked under jim knowles in his first game and i don't know if you watched watched in that game the first play of the game one of their veteran returning dbs got beat for that 54 yard pass Mm -hmm. it took him out i think he played three plays after that so, Nobles ain't messing around. Yeah. You, play, you mess up, you're coming to the bench. Uh, yeah. The fact that Georgia beat Oregon did not surprise me. The manner in which they eviscerated the Ducks. Ooh. I mean, that was a butt-kicking from the first minute. Oregon yeah. looked inept on offense uh, and overmatched on defense. And Alabama did what I think everybody thought they'd do. They crushed... Utah State and, you know, Nick Saban after the game, you know, they're, they're a good little team, but, you know, this is going to be a lot different going forward, and he's right. But um, I still think those three teams are the best. And after the first week, I think Michigan looked fourth best. Clemson did not look good, I'll be honest. Clemson's offense looked quite uh-huh. pedestrian for three quarters again. Georgia yeah. Tech wore down, and that, the outcome of that game was a little bit deceiving i think the i've got to game.
1: ask you the biggest surprise of the weekend to me was the showing of billy napier's florida gators against utah and this freak they've got a quarterback no wonder dan mullins out now he has a broadcaster how he didn't play that cat a year ago makes no sense anthony richardson holy cow
3: yeah he looked he looked quite good made a lot of big plays he was hurt last year he had some off-season surgery on his shoulder um, he had some knee issues last year as well. Florida, yeah, I mean, Florida was somewhat lucky to win, um, mm-hmm. but they did win. They sort sc- of like lsu they they scrapped and hung around and played tough. And the difference, obviously, they won, uh, and it gets a better opponent. It helped the game being in games though, the crowd was um, as loud as they've been in like fifteen years from what I didn't go, but but what other media folks and. Friends of mine told me. But Richardson is a difference maker. Osiris Torrance, a Louisiana transfer, is their best offensive lineman. Montreal Johnson is a difference maker at running back. Ricky Pearsall, who they got from the portal from Arizona State, is going to be their number one receiver. They still have defensive issues because, again, their defensive line is not good. But Richardson erases a lot of problems because he is – and elite-level
1: playmakers. Ah, what other team in the SEC impressed you? Were you impressed with uh, with Tennessee's performance? You see some good things with them. Who else do you think do you like from the SEC?
3: Let's see. Well... You know Texas A&M messed around for a while, but was dominant defensively, and that's against a good FCS team. Sam Houston State was a playoff team last year. I'm shocked. You know Vanderbilt's two and zero for the first time since 2017. They haven't wow. played anybody, but they've looked. Yeah. they've blown out two teams they should blow out. And if you follow Vanderbilt or follow the SEC, Vanderbilt doesn't blow out anybody, even when they should. So that was impressive. Uh, Tennessee did what it was supposed to. They could have won last week. With Henning Hooker handing the ball off on every play. Um, mm-hmm. he, he did some good things. I think for the most part, though, it's hard to take away much from the first week um, right. because of the lackluster opponents. I will say the fact that South Carolina Spencer Rattler threw two picks um, was not impressive at all. Georgia State's not a bad team, but defensively, they have some issues, and Rattler did not take advantage of those issues. So, um, uh, Ole Miss's defense looked good. Again, it was Troy. Um, Arkansas hung on and beat Cincinnati. That was that was an impressive win because Cincinnati is a veteran team, well-coached team, but you could tell they missed Jerome Ford, especially at running back. But, yeah, I don't think anything really changed all that much, so I th- do you think Florida is better than I thought they'd be. And we're going to find out a heck of a lot more about the Gators this week when they play Kentucky.
1: Yeah. All right. Uh, let's take a time out here. When we come back, uh, we're going to step away from week one. We're going to talk about the five best games, I think, in college football this weekend, including... Uh, Lincoln Riley's first uh, taste of a uh, Pac-12 rivalry game as the Trojans take on Stanford. And uh, we got a good one with uh, Dave Aranda's Baylor Bears and BYU doing their thing in Provo. Two of the five that we'll talk about, plus, plus a couple of more with Mike Huganin from On3.com. Here on the Jordy Helpert Show on the game, 103.7 Lafayette, one zero four one Lake Charles, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros in southwest Louisiana. Thirty-three minutes after the hour, we are thrilled to, to get the expertise of Michael Hugen and for a little bit longer today um, from on3.com. We talked about what uh, stood out in week one. Now we've got, I think, some really good games in week number two. I've picked five. If Mike wants to throw another one in there, then that's great. I, I, I want to start, Mike, with uh, the Tennessee Volunteers looking to make a statement against Pittsburgh. Tennessee, 59-10 to 10 season opening win over an inferior ball State team we saw what happened uh, with uh, Pitt and the backyard brawl uh this is um you know Tennessee going to Pitt they're favored in the game Pitt's coach says oh we must play Peewee football so he's trying to make a statement to his team your early thoughts on Tennessee at Pitt
3: yeah Pitt won last year in Knoxville behind a big game from Kenny Pickett obviously Pickett's gone it's Keaton Flomes yeah. now the USC transfer. Um, the interesting aspect of this game is its its line play. Tennessee's offensive line, the the tackles are a little bit shaky in pass protection. Pitt was second in the nation last year in sacks. They blitz from everywhere. They have an elite pass rusher in the Baldonado kid. Uh, I think that the Pitt defensive line needs to get consistent pressure on Hooker. The flip side of that is the Pitt defensive line last week was run all over by West Virginia, which is not a very good running team. If West Virginia can run on Pitt, Tennessee will run on Pitt. So I think Tennessee's going to win. I think Hendon Hooker's legs are going to play a big role. I think Hooker is going to get hit a lot because I think Pitt will blitz him. But I also think the running ability of Hooker plus Tennessee's – Jabari Small is a good running back, so I think Tennessee's running game is going to be the difference.
1: I don't know what they do to find quarterbacks. You know, Pickett left, and USC transfer Kent Keaton Slovis uh, took over, and it, all he did was throw for three hundred eight yards, um, sixteen of twenty-four completions. Um, and uh, and the transfer portal, Akron transfer Canada Mumfield, five passes he caught for seventy-one yards. So, man, uh, you, you never know what these teams are going to come up with and what they're going to look like. But Pitt was impressive to me.
3: Yeah, and, and uh, Narduzzi said we played bad and won. So I don't really think they played all that badly. Yeah. Um yeah. I think part of that is, you know, Coach B get your players fired up. But um you know the pit offense is, you know, Slovis, I don't think he's anything close to elite, but he is solid. The, the Tennessee defense isn't all that. Um but I, I, I you know last year with uh, Pitt won a shootout. I think this year Tennessee wins the shootout.
1: All right, Uh, second game that intrigues me, Baylor at BYU up there in Provo. The Cougars, year in and year out, man, they uh, they're twenty one and four with the past two seasons. They're in the top twenty five. Uh, they beat South Florida fifty to twenty one in their opener. They ran the ball like crazy. Chris Book Brooks uh, went for three hundred and twelve yards on the ground. Uh, Dave Aranda with a sixty nine to ten win over Albany. Um, so now this will be a true test for both of these clubs. What do you think about uh, Baylor going on the road?
3: Yeah, I think Baylor is the better team. I think that their defensive front is one of the best in the country. Um, they're, they go a legit seven deep. They, 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 it's a three uh, a three three five set. They go. They got seven defensive linemen. They feel extremely comfortable with. They don't think there's that much drop off. Uh, LSU fans know all about uh, Siaki Ika in the middle. He is immovable yeah. in the middle. Uh, Chris Brooks, the transfer from Cal, is a good running back. BYU has a strong physical offensive line. I don't think they're going to run wild on 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 Baylor. I think that if BYU has to throw it, Jaron Hall is okay. Um, I, I don't think he's good enough to win the game with his arm, which puts a ton of pressure on the BYU run game and the BYU defense. Baylor did change um, quarterbacks in the offseason. The former starter is... Jerry Bohannon, he's now, ironically, at USF. Um, They have a new feature back. they got a new go-to receiver. But they have their offensive line back intact. And that's a big-time offensive line. Uh, I think Baylor will lean on BYU and, and win a close game.
1: All right, Mike Hugan on three dot com. So he likes Tennessee to uh, to beat Pitt. He likes Baylor to beat BYU. And look, we know how good Georgia is. We think Tennessee's pretty darn good as well. Uh, but already a key matchup in the SEC East. Um, who's going to be the pretender? Who's going to be the the team that might finish in second place? Florida uh, hosting Kentucky in the swamp. Uh, boy, what a huge game for both clubs.
3: Yeah, it is, and I think that Florida needs to show it can live with success. They didn't always do that under Mullen. Mm-hmm. Um, the crowd last week was played a big role. My presumption is it will play a big role this week, and it appears that Chris Rodriguez will miss this game. Um, they signed Ramon Jefferson out of the transfer portal. He blew out his knee last week. So it's Kavassi, Smoke, and just some guys at running back for Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Um, so, a lot of pressure on Will Levis. The Florida secondary, the secondary itself played well last week. It was the linebackers that got abused by the tight end, the Utah tight ends, but Kentucky doesn't throw to its tight ends all that much. Mm-hmm. So, um, if Florida needs to get a pass rush, Miami of Ohio put a ton of pressure on Levis last week. Presumably, Florida can do the same. And if you're Anthony Richardson and you had a good game against a really good and really veteran Utah defense, you would think you could do the same against Kentucky. Now, Kentucky is more athletic than Utah, I don't think there is physical, though. So, uh, I, I, you know, before the season, I thought this was a toss-up. I think now Florida, if you can beat Utah, you can beat Kentucky. Um, but, yeah, it's it's all about Richardson. and It will be interesting also to see if Florida throws the ball a little bit more this week I think they showed a little bit too much respect for Utah secondary last week. I don't think they'll have the same respect for Kentucky secondary. So I think Florida wins uh, in a close game, a, an entertaining game, and one that's going to go to the fourth quarter, I think.
1: Yes, Sto- Stoops is supposed to be a defensive coach. We'll see what kind of game plan he comes up against Richardson. I'm not saying Anthony Richardson is Cam Newton yet, but boy, he's got the same kind of build, doesn't he? And he certainly runs like uh, a little bit like a Cam Newton does.
3: Yeah, he's a 6'4", 235. He's not as yeah. physical as Newton, but I think he is faster. Um, last year, he had some problems making his reads, making his progression. I think he showed a little bit um, that he's better at that this year. And, again, the Utah secondary is is good. Um, the Clark Phillips kid, their corner, probably a future first or second round NFL guy. Cole Bishop, the safety, is is a sophomore who's a future NFL guy. Um, and Florida's biggest issue with its passing game is they need some other receivers to step up. Ricky Pierce all the Arizona the state transfer is their go-to guy. Um, the other receivers, Justin Shorter had a good year last year, but everybody else is just, they're there. Those guys need to step up and do something.
1: Mike Huguenin On3.com. All right, the Lincoln-Riley-Caleb-Williams era at USC opened up with a 66-14 win over an inferior Rice team. Now they get to play against a, uh, a rival. They'll figure out what it's all about when they take on David Shaw and the Cardinal of Stanford. Stanford coming off a 41-10 win over Colgate to open up the season. Um, E.J. Smith, the son of... Pro Football Hall of Famer Emmett Smith was really good for Stanford in their win. So Trojans and the Cardinal, what do you think?
3: Yeah, I think, you know, Mitch mentioned E.J. Smith, I think he had more yards last week than he had in his first two years combined. It was against Colgate. <laughs> right. Um, so, and Stanford made a big deal in the offseason. We want to get back to our physical running ways. Well, game one at first blush, well, they did that against Colgate. Um so let's that's see right. if that can carry over to the USC uh, defense which is is not very good. They did well against Rice but uh, that's Rice is bad. So um the USC offense is uh, I think not going to miss a beat this year. I think this is a team that's going to score, you know, they're going to average in the high 30s low 40s. I don't think Stanford's defense is going to be able to stop them. Stanford's best defense Saturday might be keeping USC off the field with their running game. So mm-hmm. we'll see if the renewed emphasis on the run pays off. Um, USC has had, I'm sorry, Stanford has had USC's number. They've won yep. five of the last eight against the Trojans. Um, but I, I think USC wins by two touchdowns in, in this one.
1: Mike and on3.com. And then finally, the last one, it's the early game of the day on Saturday, and that's uh, Alabama heading to Austin to take on the Texas Longhorns. Nick Saban's club is a three-touchdown favorite in this. Bama with a 55-zip blowout win over Utah State. What impresses me about Alabama, they don't play ever to the level of their competition. They play to their standard, and Bryce Young – if you had to give a Heisman Trophy out right now, he wins it again, I think. Um, you give Texas any shot in this game? No. No. Yeah. Uh,
3: Good. And you have yeah, Bryce Young. He threw five touchdown passes and ran for 100 yards. And you're like, oh, my God, <laughs> he's a goal threat. Obviously, that's because Utah State was not scared of him running and he made them pay. I think that he's going to be a heck of a lot less likely to run against the better teams on their schedule. Right. Um, Texas did some okay things last week. Ewers calmed down as the game went on, um, and at least he has a game under his belt. But the idea that Quinn Ewers is going to beat Alabama in his second career start to me is ludicrous. Um, I don't think the Texas defense is going to be able to hold up. Um, the twenty, I think, I think the spread went from seventeen to twenty-one in, right. in, in a day, basically. So I think that if you want to give twenty-one points. You're you're fine because I can't see, you know, maybe this game's close for a half, but I think Alabama ends up winning something like 56 21 or 56 24 or something like that because Mm -hmm. I don't think Texas' defense is going to be able to stop.
2: Mike,
1: maybe I'm crazy, but it looked like to me that Alabama's better than they were a year ago. And I think Georgia, I I know their offense is better than a year ago. That uh, Stetson Bennett, the third. For the first time in his career, he's not looking over his shoulder. He's the guy. And, boy, did he play great.
3: Yeah, and we had a story today from uh, Jim Nagy, who's the senior bowl executive director. And he Uh says, you know, it's time to stop making fun of Stetson Bennett. And, oh, what a great story this kid is. He looks like he actually could be – he will be in an NFL camp. Maybe he gets drafted on the third day. He did look Tremendous. The Oregon secondary is not bad, and he carved them up. Mm-hmm. And you know, Brock Bowers didn't really do much. Um, he he spread the ball around. He hit his running backs. He hit his wide receivers. He hit his tight ends. Even though Bowers didn't have a big game, he was well protected. He ran the ball when he needed to. Um, you know, everybody thought the tech, the, uh, the Georgia defense was going to be you know they're going to be elite, even though they lost eight starters. It is sort of hard to believe that the Georgia offense looked that good in the opener, Um, and if that carries over, oh my God, it's going to be Georgia-Alabama in the title game.
1: Yeah, Uh, I mean, if I had to bet today, yeah, yeah, if I had to bet today, that that's where I would go for sure. Is there another game on the list that we didn't touch upon that that has caught your eye?
2: Being the guru, Arizona, Mississippi State. Uh,
3: Arizona was horrendous last year. They went one and eleven. Um, Jed Fish, total offensive makeover. He brings in Jaden Delore, transfer from Washington State, Jacob Cowling, who was probably the second best wide receiver, maybe third best wide receiver available in the portal. And they laid the lumber on San Diego State, which won 12 games last year. And Mm. they, these teams played last year and San Diego State crushed Arizona. Arizona this year returned the favor. They have a really good offense. Um, the ball is going to be in the air a heck of a lot. Um, that, to me, it's an 11 p.m. Eastern time kickoff. Wow. So it'll probably last until about 3 a.m. because both teams are going to throw the heck out of the ball. <laughs> I think that's going to be an extremely entertaining game. I think Mississippi State wins, but I think Jed Fisch deserves credit. And if Arizona does somehow pull the upset, I think you can make the case that Arizona's going to be going to a bowl for the first time since 2017.
1: LSU will beat Southern, although I believe Southern will win the halftime show. Uh, That's what I believe, Mike.
3: Yeah, and if you're an LSU fan, what you want to see is no carryover from last week. You want to see an LSU team that's focused from the very first snap. We want to dominate this team. If we embarrass them, so be it. We need to make ourselves feel good, and that's what LSU needs to do. They need to play well on defense. They need yeah. to get their running game going, and they need to protect Daniels. If Daniels is running for his life again, this Oof. is going to be an horrendously long season.
1: Mike, you're the best. I can't thank you enough for your time, buddy. Enjoy, enjoy week two week, of man. college football. Thanks. All right, buddy. Talk to you next week. Mike Hugannon on 3.com. We'll be back to wrap this whole baby up special birthday wish when we return the Jordy helpert show on the game 1037 lafayette 1041 lake charles we're your home for the lsu tigers and the houston astros in southwest louisiana
0: Alrighty, tune in next week to the Jordy Hulbert show for hump day with huguenot here on the game 1037 lafayette and 1041 lake charles southwest louisiana's sports station Here's three pieces of advice to live by. Never play cards with a guy whose last name is a state. <laughs> Don't spit into the wind. And always listen to the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
2: And we're back 53 minutes after the hour on this um, middle-of-the-week Wednesday. Special thanks to all of our guests, Taryn Wach, for Nolan News covering the Saints. Saints five-and-a-half-point favorites over the Falcons. Uh, Wilson Alexander on the Tigers as they prep for a very meaningful for the entire community game as the Southern Jaguars from the SWAC come to Tiger Town. Uh, And then Michael Kuganen covering college football. Tomorrow, we'll go behind enemy lines. We'll tell you all about Eastern Michigan, the Cajuns' Week 2 opponent, the Rice Owls, the Week 2 opponent of the uh, McNeese Cowboys, and the Southern Jags, of course, the Week 2 opponent of uh, LSU. So that, uh, Frank Schwab will join us. We'll talk about Week 1 of the NFL, uh, but get his picks. Uh, in that phrase as, as well, as well. So looking forward to that on uh, Thursday and then Football Friday. Uh, as always, we will cover you from the high schools to the colleges to the pros as well. So it's a fun, fun time of the year. If today uh, is your birthday, well, happy birthday from all of us to all of you. You share one with a, a former Tiger great and a former NFL great, uh, the Ruston rifle, Burt Jones is, uh, 71 years old today. Back in the Charlie McClendon area, he split time at the quarterback position with, with Pat Lyons. Um, if Charlie Mack liked Lyons' ability to run. He liked uh, Burt's ability to throw. Uh, Burt was so good that he was the number two overall pick, uh, in the NFL draft by the Baltimore Colts. And the rest is history. Now living back in Ruston in the lumber business and enjoying quite the life. A good, good, good friend of mine and one of the all-time greats when you do the Mount Rushmores of LSU quarterbacks, Burt Jones is one of them. I can tell you, of course, Joe Burrow is one. Tommy Hodgson has to be one. And I think YA Tittle is one. Um, That would be my four, but Burt Jones certainly one of them. Uh, James Mesh, thank you, as always, for, for all you do. In the producer's chair, I want to thank uh, all of you for listening in. <clears throat> in whatever form or fashion that you do, because we come to you on the radio, you can catch us on the internet streaming at 1037thegame.com, dot thegamecom and you can check us on television in the Acadiana areas. as we're simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. So... Did you see Nick Kyrgios lose in the U.S. Open tennis mm-hmm. tournament. So talented, so gifted, but so hot-headed, he just can't seem to get it done. So uh, we'll get all the picks in uh, and uh, have a lot of fun the rest of the week. So until tomorrow, <clears throat> I'm Jordy Helfer. As always, stay thirsty, my friends. People say, "What do you mean, stay thirsty?" It means seek out things. Don't don't you know, seek to expand yourself. Look. For new creative ideas and expand your life. Uh, be kind to to one another. Stay healthy, right? Stay healthy and let's all be happy. Until next time, I'm Jordy Helper. So long, everybody.